Hello and welcome to your favorite movie. I'm your host, Evan Kelly. I've always loved movies. I feel they have a unique power that isn't found in other types of media. So I've invited a few of my friends to come and talk about their favorite movies. This isn't a debate. I'm not trying to challenge anyone's rationale or determine the objective greatest movie of all time. My hope with these conversations is to begin to reach the heart of what makes film so resonant. My guest today is John Compton. John and I initially bonded over a shared love of the show community. We're kind of like Troy and Abed, although we might argue over which one is which. John comes from the more numerical world of economics and finance, but also harbors a creative side. He's a cinephile at heart. He and I have worked on an unproduced TV pilot together, so if any agents listening are looking for a hot script, let us know. John has fantastic taste and is always apprised of what's trending. John's favorite movie is the 1987 romantic fantasy, The Princess Bride. When an illness confines a young boy played by Fred Savage to his bed, his grandpa, embodied by the incomparable Peter Falk, comes to read him a story. Though at first skeptical, the young boy is quickly enraptured by the epic saga of farm boy Westley's journey to reunite with his true love Buttercup and save her from the villainous fiancé, Prince Humperdinck. The Princess Bride smoothly exposes the contrivances of fairy tales, while simultaneously glorifying true love's power to conquer all. Despite modest box office returns, the film has endured on home media as a welcome entry for many parents to share with their children. The film was directed by Rob Reiner in the midst of his 80s career peak, which also included This is Spinal Tap, Stand By Me, and When Harry Met Sally and was adapted by William Golding from his own novel. So many of the characters, lines, and performances have become inextricably woven into our collective cultural fabric, thanks to the generous work of an outstanding cast, including Carrie Elwes, Robin Wright, Mandy Patinkin, Andre the Giant, Wallace Shawn, and Chris Sarandon. For more, here's my conversation with John Compton. John Compton, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Evan. Thanks for uh, having me here. Excited to be here. John, what is your favorite movie? Okay, so uh, I'm sure it's been alluded to already, but uh, yeah, my favorite movie is The Princess Bride. Yeah, it's an iconic all-time movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, just the amount of images and audio bites from this movie that have entered the cultural consciousness and have endured is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. And I, I think it's a really interesting... Because I, I thought I thought about when you asked me the question of like, oh, what's your favorite movie? Because like, there are so many to pick from. And, you know, I went through the list and it was just like uh, looking at the various ones. But I think I think the thing I love about The Princess Bride is it has a little bit of something for everybody. You know, mm-hmm. it's got it's got your romance. It's got your action. It's got your comedy. It's, it's also a fairy tale. And you don't have to suspend much disbelief right because it's it has this amazing little mechanism right at the start of the movie where it's just oh it's the grandpa peter falk telling his fred savage's story so like you get this like it's really easy to just be kind of just thrown into the story and just kind of take it for what it is i think and a lot of other stories you're always like nitpicking trying to be like oh this isn't as yeah as realistic no i think you're absolutely right it's a clever trick to give the story the framing device of being a fictional narrative, even within the fictional universe, because even though we know that movies are fiction anyway, we want there to be a pretty rigid logical consistency. But by telling us up front, hey, listen, 
all these characters in the movie. This is also just a story for them. It makes us, I think, relax a little bit as the audience and makes us more open to suspending that logical coherence in favor of telling a satisfying story, which the movie does very, very well. Right. And and it's remained really pure. Like there hasn't been, it hasn't been franchised or something. It hasn't been. Yeah. Uh, there's no worries about like, oh, is this canon or or something the way that other uh, kind of iconic movies have kind of had that, that giant fallout. What else do you love about The Princess Bride? I mean, there's... There's really so much to I think love about the movie. Well, I think I think in that mechanism, right, of oh, here you have the grandpa taking away or like just being like, Oh, here's the story, right? There's a bit of an element of of genuineness to it, right? Like you get in some way we're all like Fred Savage at that point. Mm-hmm. Um you have to just be like, Look, shut up, kid. Just listen to the story and have fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And I very much read to me. I think my love of it, like the first time I watched it, I must have been like seven or eight. Um, and so I very much associate it. My mom was the one to show me like all of these old 80s movies the first time. So I very much, that is kind of uh, a core memory that I associate with you know, the movie itself. But mm-hmm. um, so there is a bit of the, that nostalgia element to it as well. But yeah, I, I mean, I remember, I so I remember being that kid at the time. But even when you go back and watch it, it's like, you're still just kind of, you know, you get to feel like a kid again, rewatching the movie. You know, you have Andre the Giant as this giant. It, all of it is this amazing fantasy that goes really well with it. And at the same time, it's so much of the dialogue is remarkably witty. You have so many iconic lines. The performances are everyone in that movie is just firing on all cylinders. Uh, <laughs> I, I do want to agree with that point that you were making about the way that it encourages the viewer to identify with an almost youthful sense of innocence, right? Because mm. Peter Falk is telling the story to his grandson, and he's also telling the story to us as the audience. So naturally, as the audience, we assume the role of a young boy, and I think that's very intentional. I, I think something else that's so cool about the movie is the way that it encourages people maybe to break down pre-existing gendered notions that they have about storytelling because i think it's so cool that this is your favorite film and i I love this film as well Mm. and and it's it's a fantasy and a fairy tale and we are two adult men gushing about it and i think there's something special (laughs) about that and uh ultimately that's kind of what the story is about The, the meta text of the story is about a grandpa telling this kind of fairy tale to his son, who's got a lot of sports memorabilia in his room. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he seems like he's like, Bears, <laughs> absolutely. Um, he's, and, and so throughout this all, he is sort of breaking down his own biases about romance as a genre. He, mm-hmm. when he starts off, he says, you know, Oh, I don't want to hear the kissing part. Is this a kissing book? Skip all that. But by the end, the grandpa's like, Oh boy, this is the kissing. Don't worry. I'll skip over it. He says, no, no, it's okay. You can read the kissing parts now. And so I think that as Fred Savage, Fred Savage's character goes on that journey, I think the audience, especially for men of a certain age, like you and I, it takes us along that journey as well. Yeah, I think that's really true. And I think it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of, there's, you know, there's action to the movie. You have the fencing, you have 
Wesley Dread Pirate Roberts trying to wrestle Andre the Giant on the rock, right? But you also have like a very much a theme of the movie is about romance and true love, right? And these like, I guess these concepts that don't come across too much unless it's like in like a romantic comedy. And a lot of those are very cheesy, you know what I mean? So I think it's a very like holistic you really get something kind of for all ages and for, for everybody. I mean, the grandpa says at the start, you know, it's like, I told this story to your dad when he was sick and he, <laughs> you know, it, it really is that sort of generational movie, I think. And, and isn't that so interesting, the, the way that so much is said without being said? The grandpa comes in, he said, my father told this to me and I told it to your father. So, of course, mm. the question is, well, why isn't Fred Savage's father telling it to him? You know, I, I think... My interpretation is probably that his father has passed away, but it could be that there is some distance with his father. Maybe his father doesn't have time or maybe his father has left. You know, there's there's something unspoken there when you realize that. And it's subtle, but when you realize that, I think it adds another layer of significance to the emotional relationship between the grandfather and the grandson because there is clearly a void of a father figure in his life. Yeah, that's interesting. I never really picked up on that. But you do have another interesting theme of the movie, right? Is not, I mean, you have Wesley and Buttercup with this, the the grandest romance, the greatest kiss ever. You also have Inigo Montoya with probably one of the most, more dimensional characters of the movie, honestly. And all of his is about, you know, his love for his father and avenging his father. Um, mm, and That's and a good point. That, that, Theme that's also very much prevalent in it as well. Can, can you say the line? My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just one of like 400 quotable lines. Oh, of course, right? Well, and and I mean, not to that is one of my one of the I think the best scenes in the movie too is the end scene with the six fingered man. There's a really interesting, I think that's another really interesting element to Inigo Montoya's character of like this sense of, he's one of the few characters that I think has more like this honor code, right? Like he's, he's not going to kill Wesley by slashing, you know, the rope or he's going to wait for him to get to the cop. And then, you know, and then then gives him him a breather. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. So he's got this, uh, this great honor code throughout the movie. You know, he's just, you know, he's on his quest, his quest to find his, to avenge his father and to get justice. Right. You know, but then at the end, you know, oh, you, he just gets, he's chasing after the six fingered man, six fingered man throws the, throws this dagger. And he's like, you know, it's just like, oh, is that the end? But you have this incredible, you know, him just summoning his strength of, oh, hello. My name is Inigo Montoya to hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You know, and it just rises in strength. It's an icon. It's really a great moment in the movie i think and and i love about the build-up to his final stand you do get that contrast with the six-finger man because like you said early in the film he tries to put himself at a handicap fighting wesley because he respects Mm. wesley so much and wants to give him a fair fight he fights with his left hand that's contrasted with the six-fingered man who not only doesn't want a fair fight, he chucks a little dagger at him to make the fight as the uh, the, the minimum amount of confrontation possible. It, right. it contrasts Inigo's sense of honor with this sense of cowardice for the six-fingered man, and that's ultimately, that's ultimately something I really like about this movie, right? It gives you a very clear sense of morality 
there's Mm -hmm. characters that are good and do good things and they triumph over the characters that are bad and do bad things and not every story has to be that morally simplistic but because it's a fairy tale i feel like it's very appropriate in the princess bride right well and i think also just so many stories we listen to are just very cynical right Mm -hmm. um or or trying to critique something and there's obviously there's a place for that right and obviously many of those critiques are important but there's something to be said, I think, for a more optimistic and, yeah, just a more optimistic and, and kind of uh, a return to some of the values that you you feel like you grew up with. And in many senses, I feel like that's what a theme of this movie is, right? Like it's a return to kind of your childhood and your innocence and this fantastical sense that you get with watching it and imagination, right? Like you have to imagine all of these. You're, you're kind of like imagining and just putting aside the disbelief, just go with it. And I think especially for people of our generation, well, you know, for a long time, there was no critical lens in media. Mm. And a lot of things were kind of that leave it to beaver, overly simplified version Mm. of the world. And then at a certain point, there started to be a course correction and everything got cynical and everything got twisted and everything was chopped up, put in a blender and reconstituted. And then after a while, you get kind of sick of that. I think The Princess Bride is a course correction to the course correction. Too much cynicism for too long is just as unsatisfying as not evaluating anything critically. So I think The Princess Bride does get that sincerity well without necessarily being naive. And also, it's just there's incredible like physical comedy by like Carrie Gulis in the in that last act of the movie where he's just like flopping around. <laughs> Miracle Max with the uh, the Miracle Pill there. I think Billy Crystal was probably one of the bigger actors probably of the time. And he's just- Oh like, yeah, absolutely. You don't even recognize him. And you know, like by comparison with modern films, right? Like everything is trying to get the top billed actor and you know, like just the biggest box office name possible probably to, you know, make it a little bit safer. But at the same time, it's kind of cool to see new faces and new different actors and people that you haven't seen before too. This was Robin Wright's debut, I believe. Yeah, I believe, so. I believe uh, Meg Ryan was the other one that was up for it as well. But I think- Oh, interesting. Very interesting. And very different- um, there's yeah if you read into the casting it's actually really interesting. like Christopher Reeves wanted to play uh Carrie but they were very they were very focused on like having this kind of like Errol Flynn look it's not the most iconic performance of all time but it's like you know he does very well and I think he does recognize that his role is also largely to be funny like there's everyone in the movie feels just like perfect for their role yeah we've been talking about a ton of memorable stuff but what do you think is the most memorable from the princess bride for you i think my favorite scene or one of my favorite scenes will always be just wesley and inigo fighting or fencing at the very beginning i think wesley you know taking out first beat the the guy that's also skilled and then the guy that's super strong and he has to do it in different ways and in clever ways Mm -hmm. you see him overcome these like different challenges that i think is just I, I mean, as a kid, I remember just being like, "God, oh, this is awesome!" <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, and and I think that's a, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. What what else do you love about it or find memorable about it? I think just like how funny it is. And some of my favorite movies are just comedies, and comedy is just one of my favorite genres in general. But it's you're not going to be like, "Well, Dodgeball is my favorite movie of all time." I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No. I mean, like to to have a great funny movie is, um, I think, great. There's just so many elements. There's a lot of great comedy. There's a lot of great action. But at the end of the day, you also have a lot of heart to it. Where Wesley's on his quest to get back Buttercup and to save her. 
Inigo is trying to save his, you know, avenge his father. And I think at at that level, right? Maybe maybe that's one of the core takeaways, right? I think I think Princess Bride does story better than most movies out there. So can you speak a little bit to the value that you place on story and to the heart of this story? What what are you referring to when you talk about those concepts? Yeah, so I think I think when I'm talking about that it's more about the characters are on a journey of of growth and you get to see them kind of overcoming the obstacles and and changing and so whether Inigo Montoya and Fezzik are initially just like just thugs to <laughs> to some degree to but they you know they get to right like you you do have this growth of them doing the right thing you have but yeah, no, like the overcoming of these challenges and, and watching them, yeah, how they approach and how they handle those challenges, I think is at the core of the core of story a lot. I mean, it's that kind of Joseph Campbell hero, hero's journey type thing, right? Yeah. Do you find that to be relatable or inspiring or some other word? What what emotion do you get out of seeing that conflict presented on screen? It's satisfying, I guess. But yeah, okay. it's more that I when like you that. see a movie that's that doesn't have it there's like a a dissatisfaction or there's less point to the story it's more of like the point to this story i guess to some degree is like you know how their love kind of starts to conquer all it's i I don't know if that's the part that i know resonates with me the most but it is it is like satisfying to see that that come coming into fruition i want to loop back to a discussion of the humor because one of the ways that we've bonded over the years is through our shared love of comedy and our shared taste in comedy. Can you tell a little bit more about why that's so valuable to you to have those comedic moments? Yeah. I mean, that's a beyond just the, like it's entertaining value, right? The humor also creates this sort of lightness to the story because it is also a story. It's a kid's story. It's a, it's a, it's an adventuring story, but it's, um, creating that sort of lightness, I guess, allows for a more likability to the characters, right? You're, it makes it just more fun in general. Comedy and having a good comedy director there or just, just helps the story along, right? Yeah. Movies are supposed to be fun, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Laughing feels good. Right. <laughs> so, John, earlier you talked about how there is a nostalgic element to this film because... It was something that you shared with your mother when you were growing up watching some of the 80s movies. Are there any other memories you have associated with this movie or memorable viewings of The Princess Bride? I don't know why, but I remember watching it in school, of all places. Uh, but I think that I think that also speaks to it. It is the type of movie that you can watch kind of anywhere. And I remember, you know, I mean, I loved having it on in school, but it's also like it's it is kind of just that just has that broad appeal, right? Like. If, if it's like teachers school is winding down or whatever right even even a classroom can just put it on and it'll be like all right here's this will this will tide everybody over what age of school roughly maybe like seventh or eighth grade something like that how did the other students respond to it do you think they got it the way that you did or i i remember everybody loving it i certainly can't can't remember anybody just being like oh disliking it i remember watching other somewhat 80s movies in school i think uh I'm struggling to remember the names of the movies, but uh, some of the ones with like really outdated 80s effects, you know, and and they just don't hold up the same way. Um, And I think this is a really timeless movie, you know, and and that kind of speaks to it is just like, yeah, it's it's something that has a good broad appeal and can, can work with a lot. 
And those are really special movies, ones that hold up, because they give us a better shot, I think, at making those connections across generations, across times, across groups. If there's a movie that someone could watch when it comes out in the 80s and enjoy it, and then also a bunch of 7th and 8th graders can watch it and love it as well, that gives two people who maybe don't have a lot else in common some sort of common ground. I feel like I even watched it with my grandparents one time. My grandpa is the type to ramble on about every actor from like the 60s. So yeah. <laughs> so he, he loves it. Uh, he got to talk about, oh, and did you get to see him in this other thing? And you get to... But that's that's the way it goes, right? You get this sort of like generational movie that I think very few movies have that sort of lasting appeal, right? Like it's it's a wonderful life. It's a very short list of like movies that I think are, are so far up there. Star Wars, I think, is is probably another one. John, is there anything else you want the listeners to know about The Princess Bride? It's one of those things that's tough to be like, oh, uh, this is what you need to know, because I feel like also so many people have seen it, right? But it's it's about just kind of talking about, I guess, what you love about it, right? Um, I guess, Evan, is there anything you love about it? What gets me the most is that love story between Wesley and Buttercup. I mm. think that at my heart, I am a dreamer. I'm a romantic and I believe mm. in the power of love. And that's not really cool to admit. That's not something mm. that most people in serious circles are comfortable expressing. Mm. But to see on screen the love that these two people have for each other conquer distance conquer time conquer death even mm. that just hits me right in my soul and i get a very visceral emotional response especially to that ending that that is what is the most special about the princess bride to me in addition to all of the other wonderful things going on that we've mentioned to me it's the love story it's one of the most beautiful that i've seen yeah i, th I think that's that's really true. I, I think this is, this is a theme I, I kept kind of hitting back on, but you have this sort of like genuineness and kind of... Because I think at the end of the day, it validates those romantic impulses that I have and that mm. it sounds like you share as well. And yeah. I think the validation, seeing something that you believe or that you want to be true presented on screen in that way is one of the biggest powers of cinema and one of the most emotionally rewarding experiences that films can offer. Right. The, the, honestly, the only one that even comes to mind isn't actually a movie. It's, it's, uh, did you ever watch how I met your mother? Yeah. Yeah. Like there's that, I mean, that show has like a very, a, a similar, a similar genuine, like genuineness, I guess. Right. Like it's all about Ted being the hopeless romantic or whatever, where I think, yeah, that's, that's a very, true element right like mm -hmm. it's all about i mean i think i think one of his lines in that show is like oh like yeah uh, i see that woman across the bar and i'm gonna go marry her <laughs> right mm -hmm. um not to go off on a whole how i met your mother tangent but i think there's there's very few shows and just media in general that kind of embraces that embraces that uh yeah that value yeah i i want to take this ball and run with it actually a little sure. bit because i i did like how i met your mother but I watched it closer to when it came out. And I understand that people who have watched it more recently are finding that it doesn't hold up as well. And mm. I think what my bigger point here is because I have a very pro film kind of anti TV agenda here. And I think mm. that that's maybe the point is that 
I'm not going to rewatch all of How I Met Your Mother. That would take hours and hours. But mm-hmm. something like The Princess Bride, that is like a tight, I think it comes in under 100 minutes. That's something that we can reevaluate more readily across eras as opposed to entire bulky television shows even if they do have good intentions as i believe how i met your mother did i'll go on the opposite side of that i'll, I'll play <laughs> pro tv right I, <laughs> I i think i'm i'm hardly the last person to say i'm anti-tv anyway uh <laughs> I, I think that would be disingenuous <laughs> um but uh yeah no i think i think at least there's there is one element of yeah, it's very bulky and it's a very long running thing, but you don't have to watch, rewatch Breaking Bad five times. Honestly, I've only even watched it once, right? But like, the story comes across when you watch it because when you watch this very long form thing, there is something that you're not, I guess you're able to cover more growth or more nuanced growth, I think, that sometimes you're not, not able to cover over, you know, just in such a small two hour window. How I Met Your Mother meanders a lot because it's a sitcom and mm-hmm. they we're only planning to do like one or two seasons and ended up having to do nine. I mean, can you think of another very romantic type of movie that ones that kind of embrace that sort of like a hopeless romantic? Um, <laughs> what's jumping to my mind and it's funny cause it's very different, but like ultimately that's Wally, right? That's a good one. That's yeah. a very good one. Yeah. Like with Wally and Eve, that's totally just a simple love conquers all love story that works really mm. well. It's, it's interesting that we have to go to, kids movies a lot of the time to i think kind of see these yeah kind of see these stories played out you know it's well well what about what about train wreck you know there's a lot going on in train wreck but ultimately isn't that the story of love transforming amy schumer's character for the better that's true refracted through you know an absolutely <laughs> messed yeah. up lens there's, but i think that's what it of... is <laughs> there's some other stuff going on there but yeah <laughs> a lot of these um I think a lot of stories, yeah, are probably doing the same thing, but on a more, they add in some more complications to them as well, which maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe that's just the thing that you ended at the end of the day, you end up really just liking about Princess Bride. Like, um, sometimes it's nice to just kind of have the, the meat and potatoes that are there. Yeah. It's a great movie. Everybody should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I agree. John Compton, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, Evan. John talks about myriad things to love about The Princess Bride. It's enduringly quotable, and it has something for everyone. Comedy, action, romance. And it may just be that romantic angle that's the most special. We discussed how seeing a movie that is so shamelessly romantic validates our own optimistic notions. The experience of seeing some idea, philosophy, or experience depicted in film bolsters our own connection. And this is something we previously discussed with Derwin regarding Stranger Than Fiction. But in this instance, it's nice to suspend our disbelief and invest in a world where good and true love conquer all, if only until the credits roll. John has also picked up on a line of thought that started with Spencer and Young Adult and will continue through to next week. Film is shareable. Here John takes it a little bit further, and we understand that film is intergenerational. John recounts how watching The Princess Bride with his mother was an important bonding experience. He also watched the film with his grandparents. I just don't think that other forms of media cross generational lines so adroitly. Most people have seen numerous movies from the 1980s. Maybe a few TV shows have persisted in the cultural consciousness, like Full House, but not nearly to the same extent. 
I'd venture that most adults my age haven't read any literature that extends beyond their own lifetime. Sparknotes doesn't count. I think part of it relates back to watching a film being a discrete experience. It's much easier to sit down and share a film in a single setting than any other beloved stories. Sure, some TV shows become weekly rituals. You already know what I'm doing every Wednesday at 8 during Survivor season. But in the age of home media and streaming, film is not beholden to a linear television schedule offering greater flexibility. Movie nights are wonderful bonding experiences, because any group of people can sit down together and have a collective experience without necessarily having a common knowledge base that television requires. And in fact, these settings are fertile ground for new connections to grow. Your favorite movie is produced and edited by me, Evan Kelly. Logo designed by Walker Kelly. Music by Morgan Bennett. Special thanks to Lindsay Kelly. If you like the show, please rate it on your favorite podcast platform. You can also reach the show on Facebook or by emailing favoritemoviepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>